Where's the tag button? Jimmy, where are you? <laughs> he gets to be awesome. We have a new background. We have a yeah, new background. Look at this. See, we told you we were going to. We just keep improving. So, welcome to our basement. Welcome to our basement. It's for rent if you need a place to stay. <laughs> but we need to use it one 30 minute period a week. <laughs> right. You don't mind us crashing your party once a week. <laughs> once a week. We'll be so, quick. Uh, you know, we eat the food in the fridge, whatever's there. Uh, okay, so let's turn to our topic tonight. Um, Which is? Uh, so we want to talk about what happens when one person in our marriage gets stuck. You know, what, what do you do when one of you is stuck? In other words, uh, maybe there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of stuff going on, and you seem to be getting triggered a lot. You're overreacting to things a lot. You're struggling. And, uh, you know, it's uh, causing the, the marriage to really uh, suffer. A lot of things are going on that, you know, <laughs> darling, it's staring at my hair. It's not a hair piece, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> Dude, when you do that, it makes it look like it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's real. I don't care what he looks like. It's real. So, <laughs> I'm here. Okay. All right. So um ideas. What what can we do when one person is stuck in marriage? One person's So why don't we talk about what that would look like? Because okay. maybe some people need some examples right. of what it would look like if you or your spouse were stuck in that place. Okay. So let's say I can share from personal experience. All right, go. Well, I just I'm kind of coming out of a stuck place. Uh, I went through some hurt with some friends, and it really spiraled me downward because it just triggered all my buttons, and and then I had to pause and put all my emotions on hold for our daughter to get married. And then when the wedding was over, I had to stare at my pain again. Mm -hmm. And so for a couple of months, I resorted back to some old behaviors of self-comforting and holding up in my house and not feeling worthy, not feeling powerful, not feeling like I had anything to offer. And, and I felt stuck. And Philip really helped me to come out of that place because he would remind me of who I, who I am, remind me of my worth, my value, how much I'm loved. And then the, the greatest thing that he did and that you can do for your, your spouse when they're in this place is to show empathy. Mm -hmm. And 
So he came to me one night and he's like, you know, after praying about it and putting a lot of thought into it, I could see how that really hurt and, and why it was hard for you and why it's been hard to recover. And him doing that just meant the world to me because I felt understood and I felt heard. And I, I think I just really needed someone to understand me and to say, you know, I, I get that. I'd feel that way too if I went through that. And that has made a world of difference. And so what Philip just did for me and is what I've done for him. And um, we've talked, um, have we talked yet about ministering to your spouse? Yeah, we've done we, did, we did. We did. I think too that a lot of times when you're in a place to just have someone acknowledge that like, yes, that is a feeling. Because I know that there's been times that I've been stuck. I've really felt like you go through that thing in your head of like, maybe I'm just making this up. Maybe this is just all me. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I'm the, the big problem, you know, cause it's like everybody tells you that one thing where it's like, um, you know, if you look at every situation, there's a common denominator and you are it, you know, yes. you know what I'm saying? So, and I think that that can apply, but then sometimes when you're stuck dealing with those hurts, like there's legitimately things that happen to you that were hurtful. And, you know, so often we're just supposed to let it roll and let it slide and just get over it. And so if you're not over it, it's just you and there, you know, or you think that maybe it's your fault that you've caused all this. And sometimes you play a responsibility in it, but sometimes there's things that happen that are beyond your control that you didn't play a part in. You just happen to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy to take on that place of it's all me, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm my biggest worst enemy and, and mm -hmm. that place. And so how do you pull your spouse out of that place? You know? Well, I think it is hard. And I think those are, those are really relevant pieces to this because, you know, when you start talking about, okay, so I get this, you know, this, this thing that goes on inside of me, you know, this process that I start to feel and I become my worst enemy and nobody can talk me out of that. And so sometimes the people we love the most aren't having influence. So we don't, we don't want to hear it from our spouse. And so we really get challenged when we're in that place because what can happen, especially for men Men like to fix things. And when our wives don't respond to us and what we try to do to help them, then we start to feel inadequate or rejected or like, you know, why bother? And so we pull away. And so what has to happen is, is that at some point, whoever the person is that's down, whoever's struggling, they have to take responsibility for where they're at. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to do because like in Darlena's case, it was, you know, it was an outside influence, but often it's because of the way that we're having arguments or we disagree or something bad happened. Somebody made a really bad decision, spent some money, you know, uh, did something with a kid that didn't work out or whatever, you know, so now everybody's all on eggshells, right? Yeah. And so, uh, the beginning of change is when we say, hey, it's me. Mm. It starts with me. 
I'm feeling this way. I'm struggling and I want to own my stuff. It's hard to be in that place of owning your stuff. Yes. And it's also hard to be on the other side when you're, you know, when you are watching your spouse struggle with that. And, you know, I think one of the greatest things that you can remind your spouse is that I'm on your team. Mm. Like we're a team. I'm on your team. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Like I feel like a lot of times in our house that just with some of the woundings that we've had, there's a lot of reminding of I'm on your team. Mm. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I care about you, you know, and just that reaffirming, you know, yes. Um, there's a process in that acknowledging the feelings of the other person, but also that reaffirming of mm -hmm. I'm behind you. This is, this is, we're in this together. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to personalize your spouse's emotional struggles. Yes. You know, and so what we tend to do is that fear gets triggered inside of us and we go, ah, you're disrespecting me, but really, a lot of times they're just having a hard time. And so we personalize that. Or like for me, my big thing with failure was is if she's struggling, then I'm not doing my job, which then is a bad reflection on me as a leader in the house. And so all of that stuff can start to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we realize that this is temporary, 90% of the time, yeah. the struggle, whatever it is. And even if it's happened over a long period of time, you have to get your perspective and you have to realize that, hey, this is their stuff. You have to say, okay, Lord, what is my place in this? Yeah, it's just where boundaries come in. Right. And where you have to be able to um, know where your spouse starts or ends and you begin and um, that you're taking care of your own garden, so to speak, your own yard. And if you've ever read the boundaries book, that's the analogy that they use is it make sure that you're attending to your own yard and your spouse is tending to theirs and that you guys don't put each other's stuff in each other's yards. And so at the one, so that's important. I think is that when one spouse is, is struggling, that the other one uses healthy boundaries to know where what's, what's mine and what's yours. And because you really can't help your spouse and be the support and the safe place and the empathetic listener that you need to be if you're personalizing what your spouse is going through. Yeah. yeah, because I think at the end of the day, if the other person is stuck and they're not ready to get beyond where they're at, um, you know, you have to ask them, you know, hey, what do you want from me? What can I do to support you? And part of that is knowing your spouse, knowing what they need, knowing what encourages them, knowing what discourages them. Like, you know, I know in myself, oftentimes what I need is, is physical touch. I need you to touch me like you care. I need you to put your hand on me gently, and I need you to remind me that you believe in me and give me one of those little talks that say, I'm so glad I married you. <laughs> You're amazing. You invented the internet. Or something. <laughs> Anyways. So, you know, when when you know your spouse well enough, 
yeah. you know what they respond to. Yeah, which takes studying them. Yeah, it, it does. really takes studying them, and that's you know I think though from the other side, some of the hardest part it can be is when you're watching your spouse go through that time. You so desperately want to help them, and you just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But I think though when you're in that place, it's so important that that's where the Lord comes in for you. Mm-hmm. Of um, you know, because I feel so much in relationships, it's like we can know our spouse awesome. I mean, we can know so more, them more than any other person that that's around, but no one knows them as much as God knows them. Mm-hmm. And actually sometimes reminding yourself that even if you love your spouse so much, if you are in a connected place mm-hmm. with your spouse and your spouse starts going through a time and they're struggling with some some of their own issues um, that even if you love them so much, God loves them more than you love them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that he knows them more than you know them and that God's for you and he's for your spouse and he's for your marriage. Mm-hmm. And so if you just ask him for the keys to your spouse's heart, like, because sometimes people don't know what they need. You know, sometimes you run into a place and it's like, you know, like you were saying, you go to your spouse, what can I do for you? They don't even know. Like they're stuck in a place. They're like, I don't even know what I need. You know, like I just know I'm screwed up and I'm broken and this is messed up and I'm hurting and I don't know what to do. And so that's sometimes like that's that place where you got to like pull back, say, okay, I'm going to give them space that they need. And, you know, okay, God, like, you know what they need. Mm-hmm. And you can give them what they need. And I need you to step in and heal their heart and give them what they need and um, and help me to be a part of that process. How can I minister to my spouse? Yeah. yeah. I think at this point when they don't know what they need and you don't know how to help them, it's this is a really great time to just let them know that no matter what you're going through, I still love you. And I'm still here for you and that nothing about that's going to change and that I'm for you and, um, and to validate where they're going through and just be that safe place. Yeah. Because when you're in a funk, you usually think that the whole world is against you yeah. and that you're unworthy, you're unlovable. And I mean, those are the things that I feel. And, um, Usually those, a lot of the things that the lies that go through our heads are pretty universal because the enemy's not very creative. So um, he created all the lies, you know, back in the beginning of time and that we all struggle with today. And so they all really sound the same. And so if you don't know anything else to do, just to validate them and say, make, make sure they know you're a safe place. And that it's okay for you to struggle, that we all go through struggles and they're not crazy. Yeah. And you stop that crazy cycle. So I don't know if it was last week. I know we did in uh, class on Sunday morning, but talk about the crazy cycle because this is where you can get into that crazy cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, just like you were talking about when you're, when your spouse is struggling, you're feeling inadequate, that's triggering you. And then you start the crazy cycle and everybody knows that crazy cycle because it's that crazy cycle where, you know, your spouse is triggered by something which triggers you for yeah, something. He says and you go, this, it triggers this, this. Yeah. you do this, it triggers them, and then it's on. It's just on and on and on. 
And so it's really important if you're on the other side of your spouse struggling to not take it personal, to really, like you're talking about tending your garden, to really protect your garden from not taking it personal, like mm-hmm. that this is not against you. Um, and this is an issue that they are having and it's not necessarily all your fault. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it may sometimes come out as your fault, you know, because mm-hmm. it's usually that trigger, but you can be powerful in the sense of that. You can stop that crazy cycle by not, by not feeding that right. personal. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big part of that is giving your spouse some space to struggle to not have to have it all figured out, to not have to go to bed happy, to not feel like that if they don't do a good job today with managing their life and the things that that they're struggling with, that somehow the world is going to stop spinning and all is going to come to an end. I think that we, what we can do in being strong for our spouse is really being available. You know, I'm here when you're ready to talk about that. I'm here when you need somebody to pray with you. I'm here. And, you know, sometimes sometimes just the reminder that, you know, a little text, you know, little notes, little stickies, you know, little things that you can say to encourage them, um, you know, and, and remind them in the ways that they like to be reminded. Using language that they understand. Good time to speak their love language. Yeah. yeah that's good. You know, and then uh, I think that I think that when the door does open, that you have to be careful with that moment. And because I know that for men, what men want in that time is not to hear how wrong they were or how pitiful they looked when they were struggling. You know, men don't like to be sick. We don't like to be weak. We don't like to be anything inferior. And so don't, you know, go rushing in there with a baseball bat and go, ah, I don't want to, you idiot. You should have done a lot. I understand you have issues, but you didn't have to react that way. (laughs) Right, right, right. And, you know, because then at that point, really all of that should be stuff that we just forget. We just let go. It's, you know, this way that we have of, of, helping them come to terms with it and let them share and, and move on. And then if there's a need for forgiveness, extend it because you know, the next time it might be you and, and then, you know, they take ownership of that thing. And then you say to them moving forward, how can I support you? What can I do to help you as you walk this out? Or use the opportunity to work on your empathy. There you go. You know, cause I think that, um, empathy can be a very taught mm-hmm. uh, thing to have because I don't don't think we come 1.0 with the empathy mm-hmm. at all. Like I just don't think it comes in the 1.0. So it's one of those things that you can work on yeah. in yourself. Of okay, let me take a moment. I mean, I if you have kids, you understand that. You know, because I feel like constantly in our house, it is a thing of like, okay, time out. Let's think about how someone else might be feeling, you know, and it's like, but it takes practice. Like it is something that takes practice. It takes practice for yourself to sit there and go, okay, like I'm really going to sit here and concentrate and think about how that would make me feel Mm -hmm. or 
you know, where that might have come for and how I would feel if I were in their shoes. And that I think that's a that's a practiced thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if your spouse is struggling, you can take that opportunity for it to be, you know, to think of it as like maybe this is a time that God's trying to help me work on practicing empathy because yeah. it doesn't. And some it comes easier than others, yeah. you know. Yeah, because let's just get real. At the end of the day, we're all very self-centered. <laughs> Who? <laughs> and can be very self-absorbed and make it all about me. And so when your spouse is struggling, you know, we've said a lot of things that you should do, but I want to speak up and say the number one thing that you should not do is make it all about you. Yeah. Because if you make it all about you, then this would it this is what it looks like. You know, that you're freaking me out. I'm really scared that you're never going to get better. I'm really scared of the way the things, the behaviors that you're using to comfort yourself right now and all your numbing out habits. And and then that can really turn into judgment. And when you start to pass judgment on your spouse, it's a real marriage killer. And so I... Um, I don't want to be, you know, party pooper here, but I just really want to emphasize to, to not point fingers and to not judge your spouse when they're in a, they're struggling with a hard, in a, or they're in a hard place. Um, cause that your judgment will push them farther into farther away from you. It'll create distance. It'll wreck your intimacy and your trust because when you start to judge your spouse and you're no longer a safe place for them and that's when the enemy loves to create wedges and he loves to use things like judgment and fear to come in and bring a wedge to create disconnection and distance and he would love nothing better to use this moment when your spouse is struggling to come and create more and more distance from you and and then you're in a worse place than you were when you started. Then you're, you know, on the flip side of that, you could also use this place to build intimacy if you handle it right and you practice all the things that we've been saying. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And so just remember these three things in the sense that you, you know, when your spouse is struggling, move toward them, not away from them or at them. Don't pull away and don't come down hard on them. Move toward them. Like, hey, how can I help? Right? And I think that that's going to help a lot. And then, but at the end of the day, whoever's struggling has to take ownership of that. They got to be willing to work it out. They got to be willing to say, you know, I got to work on myself. I, or, you know, what we do a lot in our marriage is, is that, uh, do you need time to go hang out with the girls or, do you need to go fishing? That were me, you know. Do you need to, you know, what do you need? And so sometimes that those things can really help yeah. to to get us unstuck. I'm here yeah. for whatever you need. And what if, do you need? And and how can I help? Yeah, if they just need, you know, because some are, you know, some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. So sometimes you need right. those people to, you know, I just need to surround myself with people. I just need to go do something fun. I need to just forget about right. this so I can cover and come back. 
And some of us, it's like, I just need some time alone. Like I need no one to talk to me. I don't need anybody to touch me. I just need some time. <laughs> right. And so, yes. so it's like just giving them that space and saying, I'm giving your space when you're ready. I'll be here. Yeah. So, um, that's what you can do if somebody's stuck and above all pray, you know, that's the thing that really does make a difference. Yes. And, not, you know, not just kind of pray for them, but really pray, you know, Lord, how can I serve my spouse during this time mm-hmm. when they're stuck? And what is it? Is it support? Is it challenge? What do I need to give them? You know, and, and the Lord will show you. He'll give you words to pray. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Yes. Right. And I think to pray that your heart would be guarded. Mm-hmm. I think right. that would be a good thing in that time of like, Lord, okay. This, you know, I think it is stepping away from it. This is not about me, right. you know, but Lord guard my heart so that I don't take it personally, that I'm realizing, you know, that so that I can be used because once you get to that other place, it's really hard to use you and you right. jump on the crazy train. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Because if you can't trust anything at the end of the day, you can trust God inside of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if they're not hearing you and they are not receptive and they don't even know how to help themselves. The one thing that we can all trust is that when we, when we're both believers is that they have the seed of God in them and that, um, that God can speak to them. And that's worked so much in our marriage is that, is that instead of going to him when I'm frustrated or going to him when when I'm, frustrated with myself that we just, you know, pray mm-hmm. and, um, and then let the Lord do, I mean, I think that's the greatest thing about being a couple that is believers is that like, I don't know what couples do without the Lord, <laughs> but to have him to depend on, to speak to your spouse, um, when they're hurting or when they're struggling, you can always trust and rely on the Lord to come in and it's good. Yeah. Cause you don't have to be a heart fixer. No. Yeah, you don't. You're not the heart surgeon. You don't have to be the heart fixer. Um, you just have to be available. But the Lord can use you to minister yeah. to your spouse. Yes, exactly. You just have to be available for whatever the Lord mm-hmm. wants to use you for. But He's the one who does the work. He's the one who ultimately can comfort and heal and restore and all that great stuff that He does. Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's good. <laughs> So this was good. I want to remind everybody who's local, we have our couples night out this Saturday, starting at 7 p.m. at uh, Operation Mobilization in Tyrone. November 3rd. November 3rd, right. We'd love to have you there, so come hang out with us this Saturday if you're a couple and have some fun with us. It'll be be a good time to be together and learn some more and grow together. How about we praise if there is somebody that's struggling? Yes, why don't you? That maybe you're this. If you're listening, maybe you're the one that's stuck, or maybe if you're listening, your spouse is stuck. So we just want to, you know, we're not only here to um, chit chat about um, marriage, but we're here to support you through prayer. And so we'd love for you to even if you want to pop up, hey. Pray for this. Pray for this mm-hmm. when you're listening. So we're just going to pray for you now. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, um, I just pray right now for who whoever's listening, anyone that's listening who is stuck, Father God. 
or has a spouse that's stuck, Lord, I pray that you would just um, come in so um, tangibly into their situation, Father God, and 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 be the restorer that you are. Father, my favorite thing about you is that you restore and you redeem and you recover. And Father, I just speak that over people's lives and marriages. Father, I speak redemption and recovery and, rest and restoration. And Father, I pray that you would just create a moment of a moment of sanity. Father, that where you stop the lies from whirling around, the false beliefs, um, Father, and and your truth comes rushing in into that painful place in their heart, Father God, and remind them of who they are and what you've and that you're their um, that they're your son or your daughter, and that there's nothing that you can't um, help people out of. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing too painful that you can't turn around and that you can't pull someone out of. And so I pray that you give this whoever is listening that's struggling the courage to even to reach out for help. And and Father, that um, we just look forward to hearing um, great testimonies, Father, for what you're going to do in anybody's life that's struggling right now. And so in the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. Amen. Yes. I saw a picture when you were praying. Oh. So I saw a picture when you were praying of a field that was just eaten by locusts. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was, it had already been eaten by locusts. So it was all dead looking and just brown and yucky. Yeah, I get it. And then I just saw like a wind just blow through the mm -hmm. field. And as it blew over the field, the field all of a sudden just turned green like we're, as the wind went across it and new things started to grow in it. Mm. So, and I, like I just that. saw that that wind was like, that came in with that wind was that there was no hope before, but when the wind came through, the hope, hope. brought hope through and mm. then it started to grow a new, um, just a new crop on the field. I yeah. love that. And so in the name of Jesus, we just speak hope to any dead thing in your, in your, in your life. Anything that, um, any place of discouragement, um, we just speak hope. And where there is no hope, Father God, I just pray pour hope in, um, into homes, into hearts, in Jesus' name. You know, sometimes it's hard for men to humble themselves and to admit things. And I just want to encourage you if you're a man out there and, you know, you know that you're stuck and you know that there's some things that you need to take care of in your life that, it's not you're not less of a man because you humble yourself. You're actually more of one. And when you think about Jesus, you think about the ultimate masculine figure in history and how he humbled himself. You know, he he gave it all. He exposed everything for our freedom. And so think of it like that, that when you need to humble yourself, it's for your freedom and it's for your family's freedom because um, as you lead and as you set examples, it's gonna it's gonna make a big difference in your family. So I want to encourage the men to you know to repent, to open up and be honest and say, hey, this is mine. I need to own it, and it's time for me to make some changes. So. And if you do need help and you don't know where to go, this is what Philip and I do. Um, 
Phillips a counselor and I'm a coach. Visit our website at www.becourageous.com and let us know that you need some help. All right. Have a great night. We'll see you Saturday, hopefully. If not, we'll be back next Tuesday. In the basement. Yeah. In the basement. Our new background. <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> night.